had to change my sermon topic, by the way. I'm on, I'm on derail already. I'm going to change my sermon topic this morning at breakfast because uh, Earl let me know it needed to be that riding, surfing the heckler's wave, he's going to, you know. But Bill's here to keep him in line, so I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Bill, thank you for coming, by the way. I appreciate you, brother. You know how much. I tried to tell you that the other day when I called you, but we didn't get a conversation long enough. Just, just saying. I do appreciate my brother, Bill, and Frank. Anyway, where was I at? Oh, comfortable shirts. I woke up this morning thinking, what I do, polish the sermon out, you know, and it's all about me, you know, and I've got to be comfortable. So I'm thinking, I have this shirt. It's not the best-looking shirt, but it's the most comfortable shirt I have. It fits adequately in the belly. It hasn't been washed too many times, in other words. You know, it's not anything about me. It feels comfortable in the shoulders. Uh, it buttons right. You know, it's kind of funny. Some, but some, I kind of like to leave the top button unbuttoned, but it's kind of not proper enough, you know, for church particularly, you're going to preach. I can leave that top one loose, and you can't tell because it's stiff enough. You know, if you're a guy, you understand these things. It is my favorite shirt. I've had it for a long time. Where did I buy that at, Mary? In Amarillo, it used to be, not Cabela's, but I was trying to tell my brother here, and I can't tell. But it's a great shirt. So I put it on work to breakfast this morning. Right in the heckler's way. Come on, Earl, come on, help me out. And I get home and brush my teeth, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm thinking, what is that? <laughs> you know right. You know what's right here. It's my breakfast, right? <laughs> so now I've got to change shirts. I'm not saying this is my second favorite shirt, but it does have, you notice it does have belly room, so you're, you're safe on the front row. The buttons won't hit you. It's hard to preach in front of greatness, and Dan Lee, it's great to have you here too, by the way. Uh, you ought to be the one if you're preaching. I, I can't imagine that I'm having to meet your qualifications, but uh, also, Brother Wayne, you'll probably, you might watch this. I don't know if he will or not. But if he watches this this week, I've, I've gave Brother Wayne so much heckling. Is that the right word? Heckling over the years. About you get paid for one hour. John, if you ever ask me two weeks in advance to preach, I'm going to throttle you. That's too long, buddy. I need 8 o'clock in the morning. Jim, you said something about being told 8 o'clock. That's a good time to be told. I could preach at 8 o'clock in the morning. But two weeks in advance, you know how much preparation goes into that? Brother Wayne, i got a newfound respect for you, brother. If you happen to watch, y'all wave, y'all wave at him. Give, give, give him this wave, okay? No, don't give, him the, don't give him the parade wave. Give him this wave. All right. What me and the kids this morning been doing? Where are y'all at? They're all asleep, aren't they? Every one of them's asleep. <laughs> we were doing this wave this morning. But anyway, back to where I was. Where was I? I'm lost. <laughs> Do what? The shirt? No, the shirt don't matter. I didn't wear the shirt. I'm wearing this shirt. That green, green was a little more Christmassy than blue. Mary tells me this looks like a snowflake, maybe. I don't know. It don't, does it? Okay. Anyway, Mary did ask me if she needed to bring snacks. So if y'all need snacks, if it gets too long, she has snacks. No, I don't need snacks. This is probably shorter. But any, any sermon you ever heard will look like a Sears catalog compared to what I'm fixing to do this morning. It's going to be a comic book. But uh, as I prepared this week, and, and last week, because it was before last Sunday, because I was going to be gone last Sunday. God asked me last night, I'm going to be gone. Uh, the thought came to my mind, and I'm going to walk just a little bit if I don't fall. The thought came to my mind, uh, some reason I was seeing John Wayne. I know some of y'all don't know who John Wayne is, right? Frank, you ever watch John Wayne movie? The mo- you know, y'all know the movie I'm talking about? He's, he's in a battle, and he gets his gun hand shot out. I mean, he's one-handed, right? He's riding his horse. Got this hat just flopping like this, you know. He's riding that horse. And, it's, and he's probably 20 people he's shooting. He's, he's fighting by himself, you know. He's there. And he uh, grabs that gun and cocks it up there, throws those reins in there. Before he does that, he says, fill your hands. And 
Some of you know what he says next. And you're laughing. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's expletive, expletive. But man, I, I, my, my thought was, my first sermon, this is my first sermon this week, was fill your hearts. And this morning I will admonish you at home. Fill your hearts with the, with the, with the Word of God. Fill your hearts with the Christmas season. Now, this coming. And I had a great sermon. I really did. I had a, dude, I'll give it to you. Man, it's a great sermon. You ought to use this sometime. Fill your hearts. Fill your hearts. And I just, I couldn't get past the expletive after that. So, and why I told that story, only the heckler back there knows. He's quiet. He's awfully quiet. You know, if you pick on them enough, they won't bother you, right? You know, you've got to be aggressive. When the old devil comes at you, I'm just kidding, Harold. You're not the old devil. When the old devil comes at you, you've got to be aggressive. Fill your hearts, man. I'm telling you. Mm, yeah, God, let's do this thing. All right, okay. So y'all ready? Well, the second one, well, I had this thing all worked out. The second sermon come along, I bought my dad. Actually, my wife bought me a book. And, of course, you know, what I do, I give it to somebody else. Daddy, daddy loves read books. Daddy loves read books. I'm not preaching yet, by the way, just, just so y'all don't try to put this in. Don't start your clock yet, John. I'm not preaching yet. I'm preparing for preach. So Mary, uh, Mary buys me this book at Hobby Lobby, right? Or Mardell's, somewhere, anyway, someplace, in that parking lot where I was asleep for some reason, I don't know. A garden of truck. I love Mardell's, by the way. Hobby Lobby, mm, okay. I think you bought Hobby Lobby. Okay. And when she comes out, look at this book. This is a cool book. I think you like this book. This is Okay, so I started, and I couldn't put it down. It's a great book. Oh, Dad needs this. This is a Christmas present. I've been thinking, why do I get Dad? Get Dad a Christmas present. Well, you don't give Dad a new Christmas present. You give him the used Christmas present, right? You've got to be sure it's okay for Dad. By the way, I'll advertise it for you right quick. It's by Steve Green, the, the owner of Hobby Lobby. Some, any of y'all read this yet? Obviously, Ralph hadn't either. He's only that far into it. But it's a great book. And so I read the first chapter. I read about somebody I forgot about. Have you ever forgot about anybody? Brother Wayne has. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all wait, Betty. He, if he watches this, he probably won't watch this. But anyway, it's Methabosheth. Y'all ever heard of Methabosheth? Tell you what. Tell you how old I am. If anybody tell me who Methabosheth was, that's a penny. How did I have a penny in there? I, I got a bunch of change in there. I got a shiny nickel for somebody. Tell me who Methabosheth was. And my wife says, nobody wants a shiny nickel. Well, that's how old I am. When I was a young kid, I remember a preacher saying, if you could tell me who this guy is, I have a shiny nickel for you. And that nickel used to mean something. Isn't that right? Nickel gets you a lot, get the candy bar. I don't know why I do this. But anyway, Methabosheth was the grandson of Saul, which had been the son of Jonathan, which had been the best friend of David, the man after God's own heart. Methabosheth is a great story, and it's in this book. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give this little, plug, little, little shameless plug for this book. It's a great book. I've read about four chapters, but what I've read is a great book. But Methabosheth is a great example of God's love to us, to me and you, his mercy and his grace. Methabosheth was crippled because he, his, when he was young, the lady who was taking care of him fell and fell on him and broke his feet, or did something. He's crippled from birth, from not birth, but four years old, or five, five, at least five. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Rob doesn't know everything, almost everything. But I told uh, Miss, uh, not Tana, Tara, that from the book of Rob, have y'all ever read the book of Rob? Any of you raise your hand if you read the book of Rob? All right, no John had. Number, precept number eight is Rob's hardly ever, if ever, serious. But this morning, I am serious. I'm here to tell you that Methabosheth, was from the house of Saul, and David called for any descendants of Saul to be brought to him. 
And Methbosheth just happened to be that. So Methbosheth thinks, oh, I'm fixing to die. This is what's going to happen. This is not my sermon. This was going to be my sermon. And I'm preaching. That may be my sermon. I don't know. But Methbosheth was brought to him, and he was awarded all of Saul's land and his inheritance. And David, the man for God's own heart. It's a great story of God's mercy and his grace to us. You need to study that. But let's, let's move. Let's actually, now you can punch the clock, John. I'm fixing to start. Really wanted to preach from Luke 2 this week. But Luke 2 is next week. How many of y'all know what Luke 2 is? Come on, Luke 2. What is Luke 2? If you never watched Charlie Brown, have you never seen Charlie Brown? Come on. That is such a great, great... You need to, y'all know what Luke 2 is. I'm just kidding, y'all. But Luke 2 is what y'all need to read to your grandchildren, your children, and yourself numerous times. And I thought I can read it because it needs to be read several times in the next month, the next 12 months. But Luke 2 is the story of Christ's birth. We're going to go to Luke 1 this morning because we're not quite there. We are looking toward Christ's birth this, this morning. We're going to read about Zechariah and the son promised to Zechariah. Punch the clock, John. That's not, that's all, all that was a shameless plug before. Luke 1, uh, Luke 1 starting with verse 5. Get my eyes to work. Okay, I should have got the giant print. In the days, is it five? Yeah, five through seven. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest, get my light right, maybe that helps me. There we go. I'm hunting. Can I come sit with y'all? There we go, there it is. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of, yeah, Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well alone in years. Kind of like myself. A little you know, gray-headed, you know. And we'll skip on down to uh, verse 11. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that is Zechariah, in case y'all hadn't followed there, I kind of skipped. An angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, I'll find myself in a minute, standing at the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was <gasps> startled and overcome with fear. Wouldn't you be? I mean, oh, there's an angel. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him. John. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just, I can't help myself. I really wanted to wear a vest this morning to hide this, but hide the, the cord, you know. But uh, this has nothing to do with anything here. just want to say that my brother Kyle back here and Rob looked really good in vest this morning. I thought as they did the, uh, as they did the uh, communion. Thank y'all. Somebody said it. How good they look. I, thought, I mean, if I'd done that, I'd had sweat rings. I probably do already. I've got sweat rings coming right down here. <laughs> Not because it's too warm. You're going to name him John, not Zachariah Jr. You know, that's what his friends and his family, if you read a little further on down the chapter, they said, why don't you name him Zachariah Jr.? Why John? But the angel said, you're going to name him. Everybody say it with me. John. Very good. Y'all are very good. And uh, there will be joy. Did we hear this word this morning? Joy. 
There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will never drink beer, wine or beer, and will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. You know, he knew us from Psalm 139 tells us he knew us when. Before we ever saw daylight, he knew us. But he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit before we ever saw daylight. This is amazing stuff. This is like, oh, yeah, that's awesome stuff, you know? And he will turn the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And turn Elijah, I think of John Wayne again, fill your hearts, you know? Because Elijah was that man that was ready to preach. And I'm sorry about yelling. John, you need to tone that down or I need to move it down a little lower, right? About my gut. Okay. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah and will turn the hearts and the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous and make ready, make ready for the Lord the prepared people. A prepared people. Skipping on down to 18. Oh, that is 18. Why did I skip? Got some great notes here. And uh, Zechariah says, How can I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well among years. I would never say that about my wife. She is as young, and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the angel, an angel answered him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you of this good news. Now listen. You ever been told to listen? I get told that all the time. Listen. Pay attention. You will become silent. Thank the good Lord. He didn't treat me like Zachariah. Some of y'all might wish this morning he had. <laughs> Be quiet, Rob. It's enough. Does your mind ever? No. You will become silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So from that time on, Zechariah could no longer say, don't name my kid Zechariah Jr. Name him John. He'd been told. But now he's unable to speak. Moving down to verse 26. Keep this from getting too long. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Oh, wait a minute. I need to back up. I forgot the name of the sermon. I told you the name of uh, Fill Your Hearts and Riding the uh, Wave, but whatever. But uh, this is the improbable to the impossible. God, God, God does. God does. Anyway, improbable that Elizabeth and... Zechariah could have a child at their age. Now we're moving to the impossible. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph in the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to hear her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Now listen. Again. Listen. I'm the one who likes to talk. Amen, Bill? He's asleep. Wake him up. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm the one who likes to talk. I'm not much of a listener. Earl will tell you that. Earl Regan Heckle here at this point. It's a good place to... Are you awake? Okay. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call, you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great. Once again, the, the angel named the child. And he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom shall have no end. And Mary had a question, but hers was not quite the same. I know it's a different response. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not been intimate with the man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now consider, now consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, the improbable. And she is in the sixth month for her who is called barren, for nothing shall be impossible with God. Now God's fixing to achieve the impossible. And that's where, that's where God stands between the improbable and the impossible. He can make the donkey speak. And I ain't talking about you, Brother Wayne. I know we kidded you a lot about that, too. I quit talking to Wayne here in a minute, I guess. He probably ain't going to watch this. But, <laughs> but uh, what a great opportunity it is that God will use you. What a great, I can't tell you how scared this, this is for me to come before you, but what a great opportunity it is to share the good news. I feel very unqualified. To stand here this morning. But it's not about what I feel. It's about who he is. About who, who, what he has for us. The one who accomplishes the impossible. We may have impossible things in our life. That we don't think we can ever get past. But it's not about what you feel. It's about who he is. I'm so thankful for the, the comfort. I was talking about that comfortable shirt for a reason this morning. The comfort we have in knowing him. And the joy that brings. Comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. Those words couldn't have been any more time, better time than my heart this morning. Oops. John, I don't know about this thing. I might just stand behind the pulpit and use that mic. I can probably grab it and do this thing. But comfort and joy. In this holiday season, look for the comfort and joy. Because he's there for us. And I'll wrap it up with 39 through 41. In those days... Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered into Zechariah's house. That's John's dad. You know, when you become a daddy, when you become a daddy, you lose your name. But he's not John's dad yet because it's still three months until John's going to be born. Mary set out to the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, You are the most blessed of women, and your child shall be blessed. As we enter into this Christmas season, to remember those great events, let's not forget the people that are around. He not only blessed, he not only brought us a great blessing, but he blessed all those around. And let's be blessed in this season. Let's, let's be, comfort, be comforted and rejoice in the fact that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that we are part of that kingdom. Uh, let me read one more scripture in John. John. Yeah, that's, that was Zechariah's son, but this is not... Yeah, John... Uh, 
find it. 110 through 13. I think that's the one I'm looking for. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to those who received him, he gave the right to be the children of God. Those who believe in his name, who are born, not of, the, not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. We are born of God. We are born into his kingdom. Be comforted by this. And be in joy. Okay. I got the kids to do this this morning. Let me see this. Teeth. I know, I know. Fake smile, fake smile. My, grand, my grandkids always say, we do the way of saying, fake laugh, fake laugh. You know, we kind of, <laughs> yeah. But uh, rejoice. Thank you. I knew there was a natural joy in here somewhere. Somebody's got natural joy. Okay. Okay, we'll wrap this thing up. I... The reason I changed was Friday morning on the way to Vernon. You know, I had these tremendous ideas that I've been working on all week long. I thought, it's got to be from God. got to be from God. And I shared them with you. And there's a couple of others, actually, but three, three main. And I'm headed to Vernon. I'm listening to the radio. It's about 7.20, something like that. Headed to Vernon for a to me Friday morning. Sun's pop, trying to poke through the clouds. Beautiful morning, but kind of dreary. And I heard this, on the, this poem on the radio. And... Uh, that's when everything changed. I felt like the Holy Spirit talked my heart. Okay, there, here we go. And here's where we're going. A lot of people, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of fanfare, but there wasn't really. I mean, there, a lot of people did not, whenever Jesus was born, there was a whole religious community that didn't believe that he was the Messiah. To this day, they don't believe he was the Messiah. They're still looking for the Messiah. They believed in the, Holy, in the, in the Old Testament. They believed in all those things but he didn't believe he was the Messiah. They're still looking. We know the Messiah. They had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. They're still looking for his coming. Now, the Bible tells us he's coming again. My question is, will we, will we help me, Danley, will we, I don't know why I asked you to help me, but <laughs> will we, because you are so enunciative, Enunciative? Is that a word? I like that. It is now, isn't it? But you can have that one, okay? That's not like a Wayne word to me. Do you ever think that? Enunciative. Now I'm totally lost. Will we, will we, are you going to use that word? Or am I, do I get to keep that? I thank you. I appreciate that. Enunciative. Okay. Will we, when he comes back, if we're still on the earth, will we recognize him? There were those that did not recognize him. All this spectacular things that happened, we'll learn about next week in Luke 2. We won't learn about it. Hopefully we know that in our heart, but we'll be refreshed. Has that become a ritual to us so much that it's kind of like the ritual for the people before Christ came? They had their rituals. We've always done it this way. We know what to expect. This is what Christ will appear. This is how he will you know, speak to us. Are we so ingrained in ritual that we can't see him when he comes? And this is the poem I heard this week, and I'm not sure, even this morning I thought, well, do I, do I read it or not? You know, those, those who are ready are not the least bit intimidated at the sound of Christ coming. I remember as a child being scared. 
You mean Christ is going to come back to earth? And he's going to gather his children? What if I'm not his child? I'll be left behind. You know, there was a lot of that in my, in my, my young... But I realized that he's coming back for his children. And I am his child. There's nothing for me to fear. So if you have fear this morning, I got comfort, nothing but comfort and joy for you. He's coming for you. If you've given your heart to him. Let me, uh, I have to have glasses for some reason. I can't see this. It's, you, y'all probably heard this before, but I'm going to share it with you. It was the night before Jesus came, and all through the house, not a creature was praying, no one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing their head, and Mom in her rocker with baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. I never nap much. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw open the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was near. Was here, not near, he's here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning just like he had said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life which he held in his hand was written every name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name. When he said, it's not here, my head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love, he gathered to take them to his father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while the rest were all left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long, thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I'd been ready tonight. The words of this poem, the meaning is clear. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life when it comes to the last call we'll find that the Bible was true after all. As we prepare our hearts for the Christmas season, let us also be aware that he's coming again. As he came the first time a baby, he comes back the second time, the reigning king. He will draw his people to him. There's nothing to fear. Comfort and joy. I I offer to you, my friends. Comfort and joy. Okay, Sears catalog might be pretty close, but I'm going to wrap this thing up.